0: Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box.
1: There's very little physical evidence in this case, so we have to rely hard on other people's testimony. Over the years, people's stories tend to change, and they begin remembering things a little different. Eleven years later, this can become really troublesome, especially when you're trying to piece together all the facts. Today we'll be exploring old news transcripts back in 2005 and 2006 with interviews from people in this case. Today we're looking at four different interviews, Tara's mother, Tara's sister, Troy Davis, the man who had the barbecue, and Tara's best friend. We're going to explore what these people said 11 years ago to see if we can help paint a clearer picture of what happened that weekend. This is Case Evidence. Our first interview is from 2006 with Troy Davis and Greta Van Susteren. As a reminder, Troy Davis held the barbecue that night. This is what was said.
2: Van Susteren asked Troy, Troy, how long have you known Tara? Davis replied, I've known her for eight years. Van Susteren stated on the night of October 22nd, did she go to a dinner at your home? Davis replied, yes, she did. Van Susteren questioned, Is that unusual? Davis replied, No, it's not. She came by often and she ate with us on a regular basis on the weekend. Van Susteren then asked, Was there any special occasion for that Saturday night? Davis replied, No, no, there was not. Van Susteren said, How many people were over that night? Davis replied, There was about eight. Eight folks when she arrived. Search underway for Missing woman. Fox News Network, November 7th, 2005, Monday. Van Sustran asked Davis, Do you remember what time Tara arrived? Davis said around, well, between 8 and 8.30. Van Sustran said, Do you remember how she was dressed? Davis replied, Yes. She was dressed in a pair of jeans, a beige shirt, very distinct pair of shoes. I made a comment about those shoes that night and she just came back from a beauty pageant. Van Susteren questioned, how long did she stay at your house that evening? Davis replied she left around 11 o'clock. Van Susteren said, do you know since you drove over here tonight from your home, how long did it take you to get over here tonight? Davis said, "Uh, about two minutes. Van Susteren then said, okay, so we expect that if she left your house about 11 o'clock, she could have been home by 11.02. Davis said, that's right. Van Susteren then questioned, do you know if she drove her own car? Davis said she did drive her own car. Van Susteren said, and then the night of the party, any uh, who's there besides your family? Davis said, we had to cross the cross-the-street neighbors, we also had some neighbors who live about three blocks from here, and my children were there. Van Susteren said, alright, were these more your friends than her friends? Davis said, yes. Van Susteren asked, did she say anything unusual that night? Davis said, no, she did not. Tara was, she was very upbeat that night, actually. Van Susteren questioned, everything seemed normal? Davis replied, everything was normal. Van Susteren then questioned, did she happen to mention how she intended to spend the next day Sunday, for instance? Davis said, no, she did not. She did not say what she was going to do the next day. Van Susteren asked. Did she mention any boyfriends or ex-boyfriends or anyone giving her a hard time? Davis said no. Actually, she did not mention her ex-boyfriend that night, other than that she had visited him a couple weeks ago and that she was moving on. Van Susteren then said, have you ever heard of anyone at all giving her any trouble? Davis then said, I've heard of one person, but I don't know any details about it, Greta. Van Susteren then stated, and that's the former student we've talked about. Is she likely, I know this is a guess, is she likely to open the door to a stranger at her house? I mean, you know, in your opinion. I know this is a little wild. Davis replied, no. I do not think she would.
1: This next interview is with Nancy Grace and Faye Grinstead, Tara's mother, back in 2005.
2: Grace said, Only thing missing is Tara. Fay Grinstead, Tara's mother, stated, Yes, it is. It's very, very strange. Grace replied, This is what she collected? Grinstead said, Yes, she collected Barbie dolls. She did. And a lot of them are historical. As you can see this one. These are old, you know. Grace asked, Did she play guitar? Grinstead said, Yes, she did. And she sang too. Grace said, Is this the lamp? Grinstead replied, Yes. Grace replied, I thought it was cracked. No? I thought it was cracked. Grinstead replied, I beg your pardon? Grace had said, I thought the lamp was broken. Grinstead said it was. Grace stated, Oh, I I see. It is broken. Yes, up under here. And this was down on the floor? And the bed was made. Grinstead replied, No, the bed was. They told me the bed was not made. Like she had just gone to bed, maybe. Grace said, really? Grinstead said, Tara slept with like pillows on the side of her, you know. Grace replied, right. Grinstead said she slept with several pillows, and that's what I was told like she had possibly laid down and gone to bed. That's why I wondered if somebody called her. Grace said, where's the phone? Grinstead replied, it always was right here. I guess the GBI took it, but it's normally on her bed. It's normally right up here. Grace replied, It feels like she's going to walk in at any minute. Grinstead said, I know. Grace stated, I'm just totally, totally overwhelmed and so very, very grateful that so many people are working so hard to find her. You know, when we looked at her house today, everything was in perfect order. It was as if at some moment she was going to come right back through the door. What happened that day, that Saturday? Grinstead replied, I have no idea what happened. Grace said, in your life, did you hear from her? What was she doing? Grinstead said, no, she had told me she would be tied up working with the girls, getting ready for the beauty pageant, and so I did not talk to her that day. Grace replied, was she to visit you on Sunday? Grinstead said, she did a lot of times, yes. Grace then asked, was she supposed to visit that Sunday? Grinstead replied she had talked about it. She was to let me know because she didn't know. Since she was tied up on Saturday working with the girls, she didn't know if she would have time to come because she had studying to do. Grace asked, When you say she had studying to do, what was she studying? Grinstead said on her graduate school. Grace replied, What was the degree she was seeking? Grinstead replied she was getting her specialist degree. Grace then asked, That Sunday when you thought she was coming over to visit you, you're in Hawkinsville, right? Grinstead said, yes. Grace asked, how far is that from Osceola? Grinstead replied, it's about an hour's drive. Grace then asked, when do you start becoming suspicious? Grinstead replied, well, I started calling her that afternoon and she did not answer the phone. And I didn't think too much about it at first, but she never called me back. I left her a message and she didn't call me back because I'd call both phones. But I really didn't start to get worried until later on in the late afternoon, and when she had not called me back, I began to get concerned then. Grace asked, Did you call the neighbors? Grinstead replied, I did not call the neighbors until very late Sunday night. Grace said, So you did call Sunday night? Grinstead said, Yes, Sunday night. Grinstead then stated, I did not call her Saturday night. It was very late, say 12.30 or 1. I did call the neighbors to see if a car was home or if anything looked unusual. Grace then asked, what did they say? Grinstead then said, they didn't seem to think anything looked unusual, that the car was there, they had been gone all day and didn't get back until late, but they said the car was there, nothing looked unusual. Grace then asked, and the light was on in her computer room? Grinstead said, yes, some type of dim light was on in there. Grace replied, from the computer only. Grinstead replied, could have been.
1: This next interview is with Tara's sister, Anita Gaddis. Again on the Nancy Grace Show.
2: Anita Gaddis, Tara's sister, said the car being there, the car being unlocked. She never left her car unlocked. A hundred dollars cash left, Grinstead said, in the car? Gaddis said, Yes, in the car. Broken lamp by her bedside table that we know was not broken the day before. The girl said there was no incident. She always turned her light on. Let her neighbors know. The lamp was on Friday night, never came back on. Grace then asked, What can you tell me about the night she went missing, Anita? She'd helped some girls that afternoon work on their hair and makeup for the beauty pageant. She went to the beauty pageant. She went to a local superintendent's house for dinner. Watched a football game. We assumed she went back home. And after that, we did not know. Grace said, What? What? if anything, was unusual about her home, Anita. Gaddis replied, Well, her car was left unlocked. Tara never leaves her car unlocked when she's at home. Her cell phone was in the charger. Her door was locked, but her keys and her purse were missing. Grace said, Keys and purse missing. I understood that there was a radio clock by her bed on the floor. Gaddis responded, That's correct. The GBI found it under the bed when they were looking for evidence and there was also a broken lamp on her bedside table. Grace then stated, Now Anita, the clock, would she have left it that way? I mean, if I came home tonight and I saw my clock by the bed, laying on the floor, I would turn around and walk out of that apartment because that would be wrong. Would she have left it that way? Gaddis replied, I don't think so, because the clock is about six hours off in time. Grace replied, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you, repeat Gattis said the clock, the time is about 6 hours off, which is another confusing fact. Gattis stated all of her clothes were back at home, so she did not go back home and change clothes. Grace then asked, Now there was something about a jack-o'-lantern on the front porch. Gattis said right, Terrace House was decorated really cute for Halloween. The jack-o'-lantern was still plugged in, and it was lit up. Nancy said you should have seen this place. It was perfectly in order. But when the cops came, they found one of her beautiful necklaces on the floor of the bedroom. They found her lamp knocked over and broken. And they found these shoes laying out on the floor, the clothes she had worn that evening, still lying out. That is just not like this
1: girl. This last interview I'm going to play you is with Tara's best friend, Maria, again on The Nancy Grace Show.
2: Nancy asked, How long have you known Tara? Maria Hewlett, friend of Tara Grinstead, replied, Probably 15 years. Grace then said, And that morning I knew she went to a cookout at a school superintendent's house the evening before. She had been helping younger girls get ready for a local pageant. She goes to the cookout, leaves, I think around 11pm or so to drive back home. You went to her home the next morning, Sunday morning, correct? Hewlett replied, no, Monday morning. Grace said, excuse me, Monday morning, what did you see? Hewlett replied, I immediately went into the house. Grace said, well, why did you go there? Hewlett said I had been, we had been looking for her, her mother and I. And then so I went down there that morning, knowing that the police were on their way, and I went in. The police were outside. Well, excuse me. Grace said, how did you get in? Hewlett replied, the detective was outside by her car. Her door was unlocked. Grace said her door was unlocked. Hewlett replied, "Uh uh-huh. Grace said, okay, go ahead. Hewlett replied, yes, I walked in the door, looked where her shoes would usually be, you know, to see if she had hurried out the door, maybe looking around to see if anything had fallen off the tables, if there looked like having a struggle, you know. I immediately knew that something had to have been wrong for her to not shown up at work. Not to call home. There had to have been something wrong. Gray said, what did you see in the bedroom? Hewlett replied, the bedroom, uh, there were clothes on the floor, jewelry on the floor, her shoes were on the floor and they were really nice shoes and she's very peculiar about her clothes, her clothing and shoes, they were on the floor. There were things packed, stacked up on her next to the bed. Her bed had been slept in, it looked like to me. You know, her pillows were arranged like she sleeps. I immediately thought that she had been in the bed at some point. You know, she had been there at night. I knew that the last time that anybody had talked to her was Saturday night. Grace said, now, what about the clock radio and the lamp? Hewlett replied, I didn't see the clock. That was later on, when I went back the second time. Grace said, so the phone, the cell phone was there would she ever have left without her cell phone? Hewlett replied, I feel like she would have, if she didn't want to be bothered, if she had gone with someone who she knew, who she trusted, who she didn't want to be bothered by anybody else.
1: I'm going to Mexico City, and it's going to be an awesome vacation, all thanks to Viator. If you're looking to book your next trip, Viator is your one-stop shop. They've done all the research for you, from classes and workshops, food and drinks, outdoor activities, sightseeing, cruises, tours, museums. Everything you want to do on a vacation is all right here at your fingertips by using Viator. Viator is the solution you need to ensure you plan the perfect trip and overall travel experience. Viator is a tool you can use to plan and book travel experiences all around the world. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences. So you can discover what's out there, no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in. Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means that you can plan something everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been there on the same experiences you're choosing. And if plans changed, there's free cancellation. Plus, Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know that you'll get the support you need at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use the code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Warmer, sunnier days are coming, and you can fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals meet your wellness goals in time for the summer. Thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. So make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from, you'll always have new flavors to explore Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust, from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And keep the kitchen time to a minimum. Factory meals are ready to go in two minutes. So no shopping, no prepping, no cooking, or cleaning up. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Head to Factormeals.com UAV50 and use the code UAV50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code UAV50 at Factormeals.com UAV50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. For the next half of the show, I'm going to have Maurice answer some of your voicemail questions. If you haven't called the voicemail line yet and you'd like to, the number is 770-545-6411. I'll let Maurice take it from here.
3: Hi, this is Courtney calling from Loveland, Colorado. And uh, this question is more for Dr. Godwin. And since we are between episodes with some breaks in between, I thought it might be a good time to ask this. Um, my question is related to how you got involved with Tara's case. Uh, what was that initial experience like? Um, what were you apprehensive about and what ended up intriguing you to take it on? Um, also, sometimes you hear about some pushback from law enforcement and private investigators. Can you share some of your experiences regarding this and that relationship that investigators often have with law enforcement? But anyway, keep up the good work and I
4: look forward to hearing more. Uh, thank you, Courtney. From am from Colorado a good question um originally i was contacted by a terra sister uh in the first of part of uh february of 2006 uh i ha- i was um real busy at that time uh so actually i originally turned down the case uh, i was then i was contacted about the end of february again and asked if i would reconsider and I did, I, I, decided to go ahead and, and look at the case and, and, um, try to work it and do the best I can. Um, then I went down to Acela several times. Um, the first time I was down there, um, I did, I, both times I met resistance, uh, from, um, some of the people and also, um, law enforcement, mainly lo- local law enforcement and some to GBI. I received a threatening phone call at my home here after I had got back from one of those um, uh, trips down there. And then uh, when I was staying in the RV park outside of Asilla, uh I had a, a, a scary incident there with a, a, tr- a truck about 3 o'clock in the morning. So uh, there, there's been some pressure. Um, uh, one of the main things is um, I was not able to get my... Hands on some documents that were promised to me, uh which you know sort of hinder hindered what I was able to do uh, I'm not sure that a lot of the all the information that could have been uh, told to me was told to me um, so i've had to fight struggle crawl uh, for the last ten and a half years to try to um work this, uh, get through this. Uh, I know that when uh, I, I found those things in Tara's house, some of the, what I call uh, potential evidence, uh, I know that it took uh, a couple of days uh, for the GBI to ever come down there and collect the, the items. You also, you have to remember that in, you know, in 06, uh, 06, 07, 08, this was a very, very hot case. And it tapered off with the years and everything, and I mean it's totally different now in in oh seventeen, um, than it is. Even with the podcast, it's totally different than it was back in oh six. I mean it was a very hot button issue down there, so uh, people attitudes and everything, you know, were a lot different then than they are now. Uh but it's been a ma- major struggle. I probably received in the ten and a half years over 400 plus tips
3: hi um i've been listening to your podcast i think you do a really great and thorough job of detailing a really complex and frustrating case um so my thoughts were um about snapdragon location um there are a lot of white rabbits which like Maurice had said in this case so the one stand out to me is the cadaver dog and his owner. Um, to me, you have first-hand verification of somebody who was there, um, and that something was discovered and found, and that the police and the FBI have that evidence. So my question is just really, um, how much effort is being put into that one heavy fact?
4: Snapdragon is an interesting uh, piece of information and event and also sort of a mystery because Snapdragon occurred about eight days after Terra went missing. So the question one would have to ask is why would somebody draw attention to the area when there was no attention focused on Snapdragon Road after Terra went missing until the fire? So that's a question that has to be answered. It's my understanding that... um, Potential evidence was submitted to the uh, GBI that was found by the dog handler and the cadaver dog. That evidence or potential evidence was analyzed, I think, by the FBI crime lab. It's my understanding that it never linked uh terror to the uh, fire. There was no there's no evidence to link in terror that we know of to the fire. Now, that does not mean that it's not tied to this. Uh, or linked to this, but I do not think that the GBI has any bona fide forensic evidence linking terror to Snapdragon Fire. I think they have some suspicions, but I don't think be able, they're able to prove it. There were some searches that were supposed to start there, and then uh, Tim Miller with EquiSearch, Texas EquiSearch, and uh, the Sheriff's Department got an anonymous call they were they were drawn over to Ben Hill County, and really never f- really finished uh, that area. Uh, I do know that the pond behind Snapdragon was searched because I was there when it was searched. But uh, yeah, Snapdragon. I guess we won't ever know until the case is ever solved, and if somebody uh, uh, reveals that it is linked or not.
3: Hi, my name is Raven. I'm calling from California. Uh, I'm really enjoying the podcast. Um, I'm wondering if the FBI was ever involved in the investigation of Tara, um, since it seems that um, local police and even the GBI um, seem to have a lot of connections to uh, the people involved um, in the case. So I'm, I'm wondering if um, anyone outside of Georgia um, investigated. This missing persons
4: case? Uh, To my knowledge, the FBI has never been involved in this case. No one, no law enforcement from the state, outside the state of Georgia, has ever been involved in this case. Uh, FBI has to be asked to come in. Law enforcement has jurisdiction. Now, the original jurisdiction was with the SILA PD, and then SILA Chief Hancock asked the GBI to come in. So the GBI runs this case, and they've always run this case. So no, the uh, the FBI has never been involved. They may have looked at something, potential evidence or something from the crime scene, but that's the FBI crime lab, not FBI agents.
3: Hi, my name is Callie. I'm a listener from Chicago. I was just wondering, do we think that there's any way George Harrison could have been the student that um, Payne's grandmother's friend remembered hearing that Tara went to visit um, the night she disappeared? Um, And if so, is there any way that we could ask her about that? Because she said she might be able to remember the name um, if somebody said it to her. Thank you.
4: Uh, no, I do not believe that the person that was using the fake uh, Facebook accounts of George Harrison was uh, ever a student of Tara Grinstead. So the answer to your question is no, I don't think that, that he was ever a student. Harrison was ever a student of Tara's.
5: Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey.
6: That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
3: Hey, this is Patrick Nolan in Arkansas, and my wife and I, Randy and I, have been binging on this, the last couple of days, and one thing that stands out in my mind is the fact that her car seat had been scooted back. And um, I don't know how tall she is, Tara is, but um, most people that drive their car leave their their car seat in the same position all the time. And it's just bothered me the entire thing that the seat was scooted back. You know, whenever I go and get my vehicle, the oil changed or get it worked on. When I get in, it's noticeably scooted back um and and when I scoot it up. So I think an individual generally leaves it in the same position. Problem is we can't determine where her normal seat position is, but I wish someone could look into that. How tall was she?
4: Uh, Tara was about five three. Um and I'm not sure uh when the seat was noticed to be pushed back. Uh, if it was that Monday, uh, or if it was Tuesday, because on Wednesday, Joe, the neighbor had the car detailed and washed. Um, so I'm not, I do not know if the the seat was noticeable, uh, after he did that, uh, or if it was that Monday, this, that would make a difference.
7: This is uh Colin from Arlington, Virginia. I uh, absolutely love you. So, uh, just something got to my thought of, uh, about keith dykes and uh and tara's mom asking uh keith to go uh check on tara that saturday night I was wondering where that information came from and possibly how credible uh it could be um stories can always change um you know maybe uh and then uh to tie this together uh you were talking to the psychologist about um uh about the actual people who committed the crime uh, kind of putting themselves uh, uh in the story and in the picture. Um, you know, could it be possible that Heath Dykes actually called uh, Tara's mom and said he was worried about her and offered to go. Uh then that way that it, it looks like uh you know kind of creates not necessarily an alibi but uh but puts him out of the picture uh but also in the picture if uh, if you know what I mean.
4: In an interview uh, that um Miss Fay uh, did with uh, Nancy Grace in January two thousand six uh Nancy asked her uh was she to visit you on that Sunday? Fay said she uh she had talked about it. She was gonna let me know because she didn't know, since she was tied up uh on Saturday with the girls and she didn't know if she would have time to come because she had studying to do. And then she goes on to uh, ask her about her becoming worried about her. And she started saying she called her um, during the daytime Sunday and, and didn't get an answer. And she said, I didn't think much about it at first, but she never called me back. But I really didn't start to get worried until later in the afternoon. And when she had not called me back, I began to get a concern then. Nancy asked her, did you call the neighbors? Miss uh, Faye said, I did not call her Saturday night. It was... Uh, Late, very late, maybe two twelve thirty or one thirty that would be Sunday, actually Monday morning, when I called the neighbors to see if a car was home or if anything looked unusual, and Nancy asked her, well what did they say, Miss Faye said that they didn't seem to think anything looked unusual, that the car was there, that they had been gone all day and didn't get back until late, but they said the car was there, and nothing looked unusual. We don't have access to the phone records. We really don't know who called uh, first, but it's always been said that, you know, Miss Faye called Heath Dykes to go over and check on her.
3: Hi, this is Lindsay listening from Naples, Florida. Um, this is my favorite podcast to listen to, so keep up the good work. Um, my question is regarding Dykes' wife. Um, is We haven't really heard much about her. Was there ever any kind of um, interview done with her? or was she ever investigated, or have you tried to make contact with her at all?
4: But to my knowledge, she's never made a public statement uh, about this case in 11 years. It's my understanding she was, uh, uh, he's an uh, alibi that's there tonight. You have to remember, and a lot of people tend to forget this, uh, the Tara Grinstead case is the largest case file in Georgia history. So all these people were interviewed, probably, a couple of times or more so um there she's she's no doubt been interviewed but anything else is hard to say because she's never gone on record uh in the media or made a statement or anything
3: my name is jessica i'm from boston i love your podcast i've been listening to it great job one thing i wanted to know if you had asked anybody about or if you had access to it says that um all of those messages like, 20-something messages on Tara's voicemail. I was just wondering if you had heard what the nature of those voicemails were. Because you brought up in one of the episodes, like, if he had anything to do with her disappearance, why would he leave all these voicemails? Like, you know she's not there. And then in my head, I'm like, well, maybe he, maybe that was, like, tactful. Like, he did that to kind of throw everyone off of his tracks if he did have something to do with it. And maybe the nature of the voicemails themselves would kind of hint at that. Like you could, I don't know, maybe see if there was sincerity in in his voice, like was he genuinely looking for, for her or not. Um, I, I can't remember if you've addressed that, if they're deleted by now, or um, I just wanted to call and ask. Your
4: question in reference to the type of messages that Heath ducks left on Tara's uh, phone. It's my understanding that there was some hang-ups and that g- general, the general nature of um, some of the messages was uh, like a b- being worried or concerned. A lot of people would consider, you know, the number of messages, um, you know, even more than four or five, which it was, uh, would be um, sort of unusual But, you know, what's more unusual is to call that many times to express the worry and concern. Then you get an opportunity to be at the house Sunday night and you do nothing other than leave a business card.
1: Thanks for listening, guys. As a reminder, episode 13 will come out on February 27th. But make sure you stay tuned. We have tons of cool bonus content coming out in between then. There's only 10 days left on the Kickstarter campaign for Season 2. To pledge a donation for Season 2, just go to UAVSeason2.com. The UAVSeason2.com. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you next week.